0: Hello Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six-Pack. I am your host as always, Tony DeFio, and I thank you for joining me on this lovely Friday evening in Pittsburgh. The last Friday evening of August, I believe, yeah, today's the 26th, so yeah, the last Friday of August, that means we're almost there. A little over two weeks away from the start of the Steelers' uh, 2022 regular season. But of course, before they can do that, they have to play one more preseason game, which will determine a lot of things, including uh, who will be on their 53-man roster when they they head to Cincinnati on September 11th to take on the Bengals, the defending AFC champions. Uh, Before I get into anything about tonight's show, I just want to, as always, please, I ask you and encourage you to like, and subscribe to our behind the so curtain YouTube channel. We bring you live shows each and every day and night. If you were tuning in a few hours earlier, you saw the touchdown under show with Maddie Pepperal and Mark Davison. They are the two chaps from Australia from down under, and they always bring you great content. Of course we have this show. Uh, we have the, uh, here we go, Steelers show with Brian Anthony Davis, and he sometimes has, has a guest. We have Rerun the North with Kevin Tate and a few guests every week, and they talk about all things AFC North. We have the hangover on Monday with Brian, Shannon White, and yours truly. On Tuesday, we have the Scobro show with, with uh Dave Schofield and Rich Schofield. Wednesday we have Know Your Enemy with Shannon and Jeffrey Benedict. Thursday, we have the Steelers preview with Jeff Hartman, Dave, and Brian. Um, am I missing any shows? I, there, we have we have post game stuff. Uh, if, if you're going to be tuning in this Sunday night after the Steelers take on the Lions at Acrisure Stadium, uh, you'll have a nice post game show to to watch and to digest and to get your feelings out. And that's either going to be Jeff or or it's going to be Kyle. Kyle Christ uh I think that's that's how they're gonna do it uh Jeff and and, and Dave and, and and Brian I think they'll be doing the uh the earlier post game show so I guess they'll be on this week but if it's a later night if it's, if it's a prime time uh game which the Steelers will have several this year then you'll have Kyle and his friends hosting the post game show so please check those out and you can catch all those live shows also live on Facebook and if you're watching me on Facebook you know that and hello and of course you can catch all those shows after the fact on any audio platform where you where you listen to the podcast you can find our stuff it's a growing community to growing family so please check that out and of course check out our original audio stuff you don't get live but you, you can get it after after we record it and 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 publish it and edit it and publish it and that's Shows like Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman, The Steelers Fix with Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar, The Stat Geek with Dave, From the Cutting Room Floor with Jeffrey, The War Room with Maddie. I think that's it. There's so many. Oh, yeah, of course, What he's Talking About with Kyle Christ. So, all those shows and many more you can catch on any audio platform. I like iHeartRadio, but you can catch us on Spotify google apple it doesn't matter you'll find us check it out and check out behind the steel curtain their website we bring you news commentary film breakdown anything steelers related anytime you need a steeler fix you can find it on behind the steel curtain it's your one-stop shop for all your steelers needs and let's check out the live chat who we have with us tonight of course you have jared devil he was number one as he is quite often first one in brad jewett Danny Owens Jr. says, hey, Tony. And he also says he's ready for kickoff. Aren't we all, Danny? Aren't we all? Claude Bishop is with us, a, another regular. Just me is making an appearance tonight. That's great to see. Welcome, just me. And she says, hey, Tony and family. And that's a good that's a good way to describe us. So, let's see if I'm missing anybody. I have a, a pop-up on my screen right now, so I can't see everything. Pesky uh, McAfee pop-up. Steelers Pittsburgh is with us. Steelers Freak. All right. We have a nice crew tonight. So let's start things off by talking about last Saturday's game in Jacksonville. T-I-A-A or is it T-I-A-A-F Field? By the way, if you're uh, so uh, annoyed by Aquasure Stadium, try having to say T-I-A-A, Creft Field or whatever they call that place in Jacksonville. Every every time you open your mouth, it, it would get annoying after a while. But anyway, the Steelers beat the Jaguars 16-15 on a last, I guess, two-minute touchdown. Not a last minute, but a two-minute, the last two-minute touchdown uh, from Mason Rudolph to Tyler Sneed. It was kind of an ugly game, you know, your typical preseason game. Uh, It was alarming in many ways if you're a Steelers fan uh, because Jacksonville really controlled – things on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Uh, They, especially on the defensive side, I mean, they really got after the uh, quarterbacks and stuffed the running backs. Uh, Pittsburgh only rushed for 24 yards. And I think less than 10 of those. I I think 10 of those were by the running backs. I forget the stats. (laughs) I looked at them last weekend. I I don't think I needed to see any more of that, but uh, yeah, it wasn't a great night uh, in the trenches especially for the offensive line um kendrick green looked looked lost again uh, dan dan moore didn't look so hot nobody really on along the line except for maybe shooks a looked like they were ready to start the regular season so that was one alarming aspect um again i wasn't really that concerned about the defense i think the defense did okay I, again you're not first of all you're not you're not really designing much scheming much in the, in the preseason. And plus, even though TJ Watt played a little bit, um, and, uh, Ogan Joby played, you still didn't have Cam Hayward. You still didn't have Alex Highsmith, uh, um, Mika Fitzpatrick didn't play. So, I mean, you, you still weren't playing with a full complement of, of starters. So, and aside from that, I mean, it, the defense really didn't look that bad. I mean, they, they gave up 97 yards on the ground on 30 carries, the time of possession was heavily in favor of Jacksonville, 34-21, but you can attribute that, a lot of that to the offensive uh, uh, deficiencies, I think. So I'm not that concerned about the defense. I still think it's going to be a good defense. It's going to get after the quarterback. Uh, the question still remains, can it do much better stopping the run than it did last year? And I think just as long as uh, is is Aloulu stays healthy and Ogunjobi stays healthy, uh, and there aren't any uh, unforeseen injuries to anybody else, uh, you know, serious injuries, I should say, long-term injuries. I think the, the running game or the run defense should be at least close to average this year, which would be a, a step up from last year. And again, I think they're going to be able to get after the quarterback because they they haven't haven't stopped doing that for over five years. So I, I'm not concerned about that. But the offensive line, it's still, it's still a concern. I'll get into that more later. Uh, Nobody really shined as far as skill position players in this game. Um, There were some nice, a a nice play here and there by, by um, some of the, the, you know, people like Pat Fryer-Muth and Benny Snell had a nice uh, touchdown. Um, But overall, it wasn't a great showing for the skill position players. Um, but believe it or not, the quarterbacks all look pretty good again. Um, Mitchell Trubisky, you know, he didn't look that great, but he was the, he was under siege more than anybody else, and he did look <laughs> like Houdini uh, on two or three of the plays where he had to, where he was running for his life and and he made some things happen when nothing was there. He made something out of nothing, so to speak. Uh, and then Kenny Pickett came in and, you know, he looked great. I thought, um, he completed six to seven passes. The one incompletion was on a spike. They stopped the clock, uh, what, 76 yards and a touchdown. He averaged 10.9 yards, uh, a, a, a pass attempt per pass attempt. So, you know, I, I, thought he, he showed a lot of poise, uh, standing back there in, in the pocket, um, uh, completing passes downfield, 15 yards downfield, uh, a couple of occasions. Uh, facing a uh, uh, unblocked defenders. So I, I was impressed by that. Uh, uh, of course, um, Mason Rudolph looked pretty good too in the second half, and he led the um, the comeback at the end, the game-winning touchdown at the end. So I was really pleased with the quarterback play. I think, as I mentioned last week, um, you know, it's your first offseason, your first training camp your first preseason without Ben Roethlisberger and, and, and you have three quarterbacks in there. You're not sure about any of them really. And, you know, they've all, I think played pretty well. And, um, I don't really think it's going to be anybody other than, other than Mitch Trubisky to, to start in Cincinnati, but, but, um, I think, you know these quarterbacks have done done well for themselves, and 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 I think whoever whoever winds up starting a game, I think they, all three of these guys might start this year, provided Rudolph sticks around. Uh, they might all wind up starting games this year, so I think uh, the offense will be in decent enough hands, no matter who's the starting quarterback. Obviously, you want you want somebody to to pull away from the other two preferably pick it because he's the, he's the future anyway so you want to see him just uh you know when it when, once everything starts to click you want to see him uh quickly uh you know surpass the other two but as of right now i think they're all they're all uh doing fairly well and they all had good training camps and they all have have had good preseasons up until now but there's one more game to play and of course there are still a lot of questions that need to be answered. I think last Saturday's game gave them even more questions that need to be answered moving forward. Uh, Namely the offensive line. Um, I'll get into more of that later, but uh, they still have to to find five starters um, before the, uh, regular season starts. I'm pretty confident they have the majority of the starters there. The only question remains left guard. Um, And uh, I think that's Kevin, Kevin Dotson's to lose right now. I think Kendrick green has, has looked so helpless really uh, these two preseason games. I don't see any way that he can improve. Um, between now and the regular season to the point that he, he should be the starting left guard. I think, you know, Kevin Dodson when he's been in there uh, during his uh, short career, whenever he's been in the lineup starting back in 2020, he's performed pretty well. So, you know, I don't know why they wanted to make this a competition other than the fact that Kendrick green was a third round pick last year. And he was clearly a uh, failure at center and they brought in Mason Cole to be the starter this year at center, so they needed um, to see if, if if Green could play guard at the pro level. And they figured since they didn't, they apparently don't trust Kevin Dotson fully um, at this point. Uh, they figured they would they would create a competition at left guard, but I think it's I think Kevin Dotson needs needs to be the left guard or right guard as as shannon mentioned on monday if you want to move uh uh james daniels over to left guard that's fine whatever i think those those are your two best bets for guard uh heading into the regular season uh kendrick green needs to focus on uh continuing to improve and just at this point try to be a quality backup so um as far as the quarterbacks uh Mike Tomlin announced on Friday that, Mike Tom, or not Mike Tomlin, that Mitch Trubisky would start again for a third straight week uh, against the Lions, and then um, Pickett would come in after him. And I would assume, since Oladokun was uh, cut, uh, I, I would assume that um, Mason Rudolph is going to play the entire second half, or maybe Pickett plays some in the second half, and then Rudolph takes over and, and plays the rest of the way. Uh, but since P- uh, Trubisky, you know, I think people are, they, they've they been reading a lot into into this quote-unquote quarterback race this week because Pickett looks so uh, good against the Jaguars and because Trubisky struggled, uh, you know, a bit, because mostly because of <laughs> the pass rush and a lack of protection and because there's no chance in Hades that Rudolph gets the job because, you know, they're just not going to do that, even though he's looked really good and consistent. Since the start of training camp, he's not going to win the job. So, you know, this led to speculation, you know, last week's events led to speculation during the week that the uh, starting spot was still open for quarterback. And, of course, Tomlin fed into that by not um, committing to a depth chart, committing to a a starting – committing to a rotation in in Sunday's game. But I think because Trubisky – the fact that Trubisky is going to start again, third week in a row, I think he's going to start in Cincinnati. I think if it was a true competition, at some point Pickett would have started one of these three preseason games, and then Trubisky would have came in after him. And that has that has not it's not going to happen. So, I think you know, unless Trubisky just plays absolutely horribly, and I don't think he's going to be in there long enough to play <laughs> horribly, to be honest, uh, then I think he's going to start. Uh, Which I think, which I'm okay with. I'm okay with. I think Trubisky's a solid quarterback and provided the uh, issues get worked out with the offensive line somewhat, uh, they'll be fine there. And I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with Pickett assuming the role of starter down the road uh, sooner rather than later, obviously. But um, I think, you know, Others have pointed this out this week. I'm not the first to say this, but I think it 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 would be a lot better if Pickett replaced Trubisky at some point during the regular season, as opposed to Pickett getting being named the starter for week one, and then maybe struggling it's uh, horribly, and then having to be replaced by Trubisky. I think that would maybe affect his confidence. Pickett's confidence. He's a confident guy. He seems to be a natural leader, but you know, you, you never know what can happen. How things can affect, can shake your 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 confidence as a professional football player. And he's not playing any position. He's playing the most important one. So I think it'd be better if Trubisky starts, and uh, Pickett replaces him at some point. So I don't I don't look at it as a as a competition. I never thought it was after the first preseason game i i was convinced that it wasn't a a, a, a competition the way they used trubisky and a the way they used him again last week and the fact that he's starting a third week in a row i don't i don't think he's in danger of losing the starting job unless something crazy happens before september 11th so as far as some other roster battles um Are they going to? Is James Pierre in danger of losing his losing a roster spot? Uh, Justin Lane certainly is. In fact, I don't even know why he's still on the team. I mean, what has Justin Lane ever done uh, as a professional uh, cornerback? I mean, he's been pretty good on special teams, I guess, but as far as a cornerback, which is what he was drafted drafted as in twenty nineteen. Supposedly a bargain, a a a value pick in the third round. What has he done? And and the answer is nothing, zilch, zero, nada. So, I think he's in danger. Jeez, um, uh, inside linebacker Marcus Allen probably in danger. I think Buddy Johnson will be safe for another year. Um, as far as safety, oh gosh, I mean, obviously uh because he's safe Edmonds is safe um norwood's safe of course norwood's everything he plays everything but you know he he plays uh free safety i think that's his uh position by trade right now in the nfl but um i think obviously he's safe because they like him a lot uh I don't know. I mean, they still have to, they have to make a lot of cuts. So clearly there's more than just a few roster spots uh, in, you know, up for grabs, but um, people are going to be focusing on certain aspects like uh receiver and, and running back. But like I said, last week, I'm not that concerned about who the backup is outside of Najee Harris. I think he's going to be the workhorse again in 2022 and, um, whoever his backup is, it it, 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 they can name a second, third, fourth stringer, but really, you know, it, it's, it's, it doesn't mean that, that there's going to be a, 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 um, it's a linear thing, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. You know, they, they can put in whoever they want. Uh, if for example if somebody gets, if Harris gets hurt, uh, you know, does, the backup doesn't, isn't automatically going to start the next game. They could, they could go to the, third stringer the fourth stringer whatever so and uh harris is supposedly going to play this sunday um which i think would be kind of a mistake because i don't think they need to put him in harm's way because he is going to be their Bill cow running back in 2022 but if you if you listen to mike tomlin's uh press conference on friday he, he the, the keyword that he used when asked if Harris was going to play. He said, yes, he's scheduled to play. The key word is scheduled. Doesn't mean he's going to play. I'm sure he'll shoot up and he'll put the, he'll put the pads on and everything, but I wouldn't be surprised if he sat this one out, The uh, all four quarters, he stood around with his shoulder pads on. Cause he, he, he doesn't need, he doesn't need to, to take that kind of punishment, even for four or five snaps. Same with TJ Watts, same with Cam Hayward, Minka, none of these guys need to play. You know, people talk about, uh the rust and continuity and chemistry okay fine but after sunday's game there's a two week break until the regular season and as i've said before wouldn't rust build up uh by week one anyway i mean so just keep your valuable players out and uh let the uh the youngsters and the and the and the fringe players battle it out for those final roster spots so that's how I feel about uh, – that's what I'm going to be looking at this this Sunday. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with the quarterbacks. But, again, I don't anticipate it affecting who starts week one. I think it's, it's Trubisky's job in week one. I think that's how they want it anyway. So let's talk about the hot topic of the week, and that's the offensive line. And you know, there, there's no defending how they looked last Saturday because they didn't defend anybody, <laughs> they didn't block anybody. Uh, at least uh, they didn't do it well enough. And all three quarterbacks were running for their for their lives, and uh, especially Trubisky. I mean, it was it was a shame because was <laughs> he was definitely playing the starters, the ones, and you know he, they just had no answer for. Jacksonville's front seven, and you know Jacksonville does have uh, a lot of young, uh, talented uh, pass rushers. So there's that. But you know, if you're the Steelers' in, in offensive line and you're trying to become a a form, formidable unit, sooner or later you're gonna have to have to stop. Uh, and it's true that they have not drafted a, a an O lineman in the first or second round since 2012, when they took David DeCastro in round one and 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 Mike Adams in round two. So it's been a long stretch. So, you know, the question is, well, why have they neglected it for so long? And they essentially did the same thing in the 2000s. You know, after they drafted uh, Kendall Simmons in round one and oh two, they didn't spend a first or a second round pick on an O-lineman until 2010 when they drafted Marquis Pouncey. So the question is, uh, why hadn't they neglected it, but had they neglected it or had they had other priorities? You know, if you look at, at, when they started building that line, well, I guess they, they kind of accidentally started building it. You know, the, the, the line from the, the mid 2010s that was so highly decorated and so good. They kind of accidentally started building it when they when they signed um, Ramon Foster as an undrafted free agent out of Tennessee, and he nobody knew it at the time, but he would he was going to be a he he would become a full time starter at guard in 2011 and be a mainstay there for almost a decade. So it started there, and then, of course in 2010 they drafted uh, Pouncy in the first round. In 2011 they drafted M- Marcus Gilbert out of Florida in round two. Of course, in 2012 with the Castro and, and, and Adams, that was a, <laughs> a failed experiment with him. But the Castro in 2012, um, and and also in that 2010 draft, they found Calvin Beecham in the seventh round, and he became a starter for them um, for a short period of time at tackle, but he was really effective before moving on as a free agent. So you know that the rebuilding of that line. It didn't happen overnight. You know, it was really bad in the late 2000s. And it remained kind of iffy for a number of years until 2013, 2014. Even even actually, even late in 2013, it was still a train wreck, <laughs> you know. And so they put Calvin Beecham in there at left tackle and that kind of settled things down. And of course, in 2014, they they hired Mike Munchak and and the line began to gel and to grow. And, and became one of the best in the NFL for three or four years. And, you know, during that time, they, again, they, you know, they, they, you know, Munchak helped develop guys like Al Villanueva, who became a decorated starter for them at left tackle, Uh, you know, BJ Finney, Chris Hubbard uh, at right tackle, who, who had to fill in quite a bit for, for Marcus Gilbert when he was suspended or injured Um. Uh, Matt Filer was another one who who was an undrafted free agent um, that could play guard or tackle and became a starter at both. Eventually, uh, did I mention B.J. Finney? He was a, he was a decent um, spot starter at center and guard, and you can attribute that to, to Munchak and, and 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 his abilities to to get the most out of out of his uh, linemen. And of course, he turned people like Gilbert. I mean, Gilbert was he, he was a second round pick, but he struggled um Early on, and, and you know, after Munchak came along, Gilbert turned into one of the top right tackles in the NFL for a two or three years. Or he was really uh, one of the best. And you know, it was a, overall it was a, it was a, just a great unit, and they had a great thing going on. And you know, we, we we back then we would talk about how you know there just seemed to be so many linemen coming up through the pipeline, you know, undrafted free agents, and late round draft picks. And it was amazing, but, you know, we have to remember that line was also anchored by, you know, some high pedigree uh, players, you know, like Pouncey, the Castro and, and, and Gilbert. So, you know, there was a nice mix there of, of uh, pedigree players, undrafted free agents. And of course you had Munch- Munchak, in and they're making it all work. So during that time, you know, <clears throat> when, when this line was just really outperforming most other units, in the NFL, was there a reason to, to focus on it in the draft? You know, you, you go back to, like for example, you know, by twenty thirteen they had spent so much, so many draft picks on on linemen that it was time to focus on other things, like, you know, trying to find a you know, uh, pass rushers again because their pass rush was was really anemic for a number of years uh, prior to to late twenty sixteen. So that's that's where you know you, you, you go out and you get guys like like uh uh you try to you, you draft Jarvis Jones in the first round uh, of course that was in 2013 2014 they went out and drafted shazier uh, Ryan Chazier because they needed a, another centerpiece of their defense after you know he, he played a different position after Troy Polamalu retired they needed somebody else to kind of be that dynamic playmaker in, in that defense so they, they draft Ryan chazier um, in 2015, they, they go out and they, 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 they draft Bud Dupree because they need, they, they were continuing, trying to continue to, to, to find outside linebacker help, uh, 2016, they drafted already Burns because they, they, they were in desperate need for, for cornerback help. Of course, 2017 TJ Watts, uh, so you can keep going down the line. I mean, uh, They had to focus on rebuilding that defense because it got, it got old all at once and, and and all the uh, money and all the the draft picks were on the offensive side of the ball. And and they were doing a pretty darn good job. They had one of the best offenses in the NFL. So they had to concentrate on the defense by and large. So, you know, was it a mistake to, 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 to not draft offensive linemen in the first or the second round or the third round? during that time timeframe or, or should they have con- concentrated their efforts on other parts of their team, which is what they did, you know? So, uh, you know, unfortunately for them, the line started to, to get old around 2019, 2020, and it started to deteriorate, but, you know, and there really wasn't anything, you know, in the pipeline to, re- to replenish that. Well, you know, when, when you're talking about, um, where you allocate your resources, your draft resources, you can't focus on, you can't get everything all at once. I mean, you have to focus on certain, uh, certain areas, you know, uh, every every, every draft, you know, you, you can only do so much in each draft. And, you know, if I may jump back to those, to those OO teams where they, they didn't focus on, Offensive linemen for many drafts. Well, if you look at <laughs> who, who their linemen were, I mean, it was Mar- <clears throat> Marvell Smith. who was a really good player. Obviously Simmons, um, Jeff Hardings was their, was their center for many years. And of course, Alan Fanica is a Hall of Famer and they had one of the better offensive lines in the NFL up through maybe 07. And then, you know, those guys started to get old and injured. And of course, Fanica left as a free agent. Hardings retired you know so that that all it all happened at once but you know in the meantime you know they're 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 out there drafting Troy Paul in 03 Ben Roethlisberger in 04 <laughs> Heath Miller in 05 uh Santonio Holmes in 06 uh Lawrence Timmons and Lamar Woodley in, in 07 right so you know <laughs> these were all important players for them for their 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 Super Bowl years so you know when you say, well, why, why didn't they focus on offensive linemen? Well, you have to, you have to remember, well, if they did that, then they wouldn't have had some of the players that they, they had on uh, uh, other positions. Same with the recent uh, drafts, you know, like even this last one, 2022, there are people like Mark Madden saying, oh, I still say they should have, they should have drafted an offensive lineman instead of Pickett." I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, Pickett looks like he, it's only two games and, you know, a lot can happen, but it looks like they may have found themselves at least a decent future starting NFL quarterback. Uh, I think he's going to be even better than that. Maybe, maybe Pro Bowl level, you know, you you know how hard those guys are to find. So you want to say they shouldn't have drafted Pickett and they should wait till next year, um, and, and, and try to get somebody in that deeper quarterback class. And they should have focused on a lineman this year. But you have the guy now. You probably have the guy now. It looks like you might have the guy, the quarterback. So you have him, and you're still saying go after a lineman. You should have, you should have drafted an offensive lineman instead. That, that makes no sense. Some people are just so short-sighted when it comes to certain things. They, they don't want to see the big picture. And sometimes you have to look at the big picture when it comes to how how a team is put together and, and what the future looks like. And believe me, you're going to want to have the quarterback over anything else right now. So the fact that they passed on whatever linemen were, were out there in favor of Kenny Pickett, if he turns out to be the player he looks like he might turn out to be, thank your lucky stars. They they neglected the offensive line again. Okay? You know, uh, even even in 2021 well nausea harris they should have drafted a lineman instead of him okay who name me somebody from that draft that was drafted after harris that looks like he might be a better player at his position than harris is at his and you, you don't think running back oh running backs aren't important they're a dime a dozen really then why draft any at all why don't well why, why don't just let, let them all go to Become undrafted free agents and sign them after the seventh round. If if you can get a running back anywhere, why are some drafted in the first round, some in the fourth, some in the sixth, et cetera, et cetera? You don't think Le'Veon Bell was important for them? I mean, he was a a, a first-team All-Pro running back for a half a decade. He was the 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 centerpiece of their offense for uh, for that entire time. He was drafted in the second round. You think? uh, if they would have just found somebody as an undrafted free agent, they, they could have done, he could have done the things that Le'Veon Bell could do. No. Uh, another one that people keep mentioning, and I get, I, I guess I get this in a way is they should have drafted Creed Humphrey at center in in the second round in 2021, instead of Pat Fryermuth. Okay. But um, that's basically, if, if you say that, then, then you're saying that, that tight end isn't important. Or it's not as important as center. But you know, I think we've seen as as fans over the last decade or so how important a tight end is for a team uh going on a Super Bowl run. Because it seems like m- most good Super Bowl contending teams have superstar tight ends. Gronkowski, Kelsey, I can go on and on and on. So it looks to me like Frymouth can be one of those kind of tight ends. Uh you're saying that's not important or it's not as important as the center. Uh, I guess uh, that's your opinion, but um, you know, when you're building a team like the Steelers are building uh, you know, like people call, I've heard so many people call Fryermuth a luxury pick, which I don't get because contending teams make luxury picks teams that are in search that are searching for a, a, a complete roster Teams that are looking to build their roster from the, from mediocre up to like a contender, there's no, no such thing as a luxury pick. You go and you find the best player available who fits a need in each round. Isn't that what we always say every 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 uh, uh, spring before the draft? You got to go for the best player available. Uh, okay, well they found some pretty good players in, in Harris and Fryermuth. And yet people are saying they should have picked a lineman instead, an offensive lineman. Okay, who? You know, these, these guys aren't interchangeable. Just because you, you pick a position doesn't mean he's going to be good. And to me, again, I think you have two future all-pro superstars in Harris and Friermuth. So, you know, um, that, 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 that that brings us back to the offensive line. It's, it, it's been... As I mentioned earlier, it, it took five years, really, five good years to build that original line that consisted of the Castro, Pouncey, all those guys, or the previous line, I should say. It's only been two off seasons for this current offensive line. And it's, it's still a work in progress. Um, I still like Dan Moore a lot at left tackle. Uh, I'm confident in Mason Cole. Uh, I'm confident that Daniels will get his act together. You know, he's only been here he's only played two preseason games for them so far he started 48 games in the NFL i mean you know i think he's he's at least a a a solid um veteran player who's still young of course the core four, i think is is there's still a chance that he can he can raise his game a little bit more and of course left guard like i said i think Dotson... and um is the better choice over green there. And I think once they figure that out, once once they admit that, that'll make the, the line even better. So you got to give these guys time to play together. You got to you got to give them time to to um to figure things out, you know. This whole this this idea of going out and getting Eric Fisher or, you know some uh, journeyman lineman or whatever make a trade, trade Mason Rudolph for a lineman. Who are you going to get that's any good for Mason Rudolph. And I, and I like Mason Rudolph, but he's a, he's a, a fifth year backup quarterback. Who's going to be a free agent next year. What team's going to going to give up a valuable offensive lineman to, to, to get him nobody. That's who. So those are my thoughts on the offensive line. Um, it's stuff I've been saying all week. They, they just have, you have to just, if you're them, you have to, continue to, to, to take your lumps and you can't be so short-sighted when you're talking about this roster. It's not always about the upcoming season. And I realize that they like to, to contend each and every year, that they like to make the playoffs each and every year. But sometimes you have to look a little bit down the road, you know, and, and you have to realize that, okay, we can't do everything all at once. So we have to, we have to make a decision in this draft that's going to maybe, uh improve one position but but neglect another and then we'll we'll address things down the road if we have to in, in future drafts the, the point is they need they need to uh, build their roster for the long haul and that's and I think that's what they're doing right now and I just want to have one more thing to say uh and that's uh want to say rest in peace Lenny Dawson I mean I'm somebody who grew up on NFL films. And it's you know, he was a I mean, obviously, I know him. Uh you know, he, he's a Hall of Fame football player, obviously. Drafted by the Steelers, they gave up on him like they they did a lot of good players in back before the 70s, and he wound up being a Hall of Fame quarterback for the Chiefs. Uh, he was such a big part of, of those early Super Bowl years uh for the NFL. He the Chiefs were in Super Bowl one and four. Um, of course, they lost. Mm-hmm the chiefs lost to the Packers the first time around. And then in Super Bowl four, they beat the Vikings and, and uh, you know, he's just such a huge part of uh, NFL history. It's a huge part of the, of the AFL and helping that league go from um, a laughing stock, something that nobody took seriously to a true uh, rival of the NFL and a rival that forced the NFL to merge with it and, here we are today. It's the greatest, uh, league in, 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 in the United States. So, um, but, but I remember him more as a, as a, uh, NFL films guy. I mean, he was obviously so many, he was part of so many, uh, NFL films features, like countless over the last, or, you know, the previous three or four or five decades. He was a host of inside the NFL for many years. Um, you know, I don't know if people noticed, but back when he was a player, kind of like Mark Malone, he would, um, he would uh, anchor the sports that night in Kansas city. And, you know, he would, he would interview players at practice, at tr- like a training camp or something in full uniform. <laughs> and, and it's so funny watching players um, being interviewed back then compared to today. I mean, some so many guys back in the sixties when Dawson did this were so uh, shy and they didn't know how to talk to the media. They, they weren't all that articulate necessarily. Uh, So it was funny how, how uh, watching him interview his own teammates uh, and how, how stiff they were on camera. But, you know, I guess he, you know, like if he would have had a conversation with them off camera, they were probably perfectly fine. So uh, if you ever go back and, and and if you ever want to go check some stuff out, go check out, you know, Lenny Dawson doing uh, broadcast work for, for the local affiliate in Kansas city. After practice, he, he would go, you know, because players didn't make what they make today. So he would have to go shower, you know, after practice and, and, and then go do the um, the uh, sports report. So it was, it was pretty cool to see. And, of course, he, he turned that in, into a nice career for himself after the fact, or af, after his, his playing days. So rest in peace to Lenny Dawson. And uh, he was one of the best, one of the greats. And on that note, I will do some, I will take some questions and comments to round out the show. Let's see, this one is from Gary Anderson. Maybe it's nah, doesn't spell it right. He spells it differently. But Gary says from Facebook, the offensive line was so bad in, in the Jacks game, it made the Jags D and pass rush look like the Steelers D of the 70s. Well, that's hard to um hard to um, argue with that, but you know, uh, there's no question. They have, they have to, they have to improve what they're doing right now. is not going to be acceptable for very long, but it is the reality of trying to rebuild something, uh, in a short period of time. It's not always going to look pretty. I mean, you're going to have growing pains. You're going to have, you might have to make changes individually with certain players. That's just, that's just the reality of it you know maybe Dan Moore isn't a long-term answer um maybe shooks isn't uh worthy of the contract he just signed and he'll have to be replaced who knows maybe maybe dodson is is isn't uh cut out to be a full-time starter at guard so we'll see but but uh you know again it took five years the last time and we're only in year two now so you can expect at least a, another year or two before they truly get it right. All right. This is Claude Bishop, and he says, Please cut number 24. That's Benny Snell football. And number 44, that's Derek Watt, a Watt brother. Uh, well, I mean, that's, it's possible that one of those guys gets the ax, but they are both, uh, really good special teams players, but, uh, especially with their paying what you would, you would, you know, need more out of that, out of, out of him than just special teams. And besides that, there's a lot of young guys coming into the league every year that should be hungry and hungry enough to, to want to excel at special teams. So we'll see, but, uh, Hopefully, it's not in, in Watt's case anyway. This isn't a, a decision that's that's made based on uh, nepotism um, and 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 trying to please uh, his uh, big or his, I guess his younger brother TJ Watt. Randall Jordan says hope to see some improvement from the offensive line. Yes, don't we all? Uh, the CUDA 70 says this game will be very important for eleven players. that is all they need to let go. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's gonna be their Super Bowl, there's no question, but it's also gonna be like a dress rehearsal for some of the starters. but again, I don't think uh, many of the uh, important players are gonna play all that much if at all. This one, another one from Gary Anderson, a, a long one. No reason to rush picket, but if he plays lights out versus lions, it will be very difficult to not start him. Remember, he isn't the typical 20, 21-year-old rookie. He is four, he's a four-year college starter, is 24 years old and much more mature than the normal rookie. That's all true. Kind of like Najee Harris last year. He was 24 last year, I believe. If if Trubisky plays week one, that's fine as well. Gives Pickett time to watch regular season games and game film before he steps in either way Pickett looks to be the qb one for the next decade well i certainly hope that last part is right now as far as him playing lights out against the lions and that winning him the job we have to remember he's still coming in second and i'm sure though there might still be some ones in there when the lions uh on the lions defense by that point but let's remember, Trubisky started against the other team's quote-unquote ones for three weeks in a row. And Pickett's been in – he was in second – he'll be in second these these last two games. In the first game, he came in third. So he has yet to go up against the uh, – he, he has yet to start a game. So to me, it just seems weird that somebody would, would win a competition without actually ever starting a game in the preseason. Uh, but, you know – it's a it's a, it's a completely different animal when you're talking about quarterback though. So we'll we'll see what happens. Steelers Pittsburgh says of the O-line, the quarterbacks better have their running shoes ready. Well that's that's why it's good to, to have mobile quarterbacks in 2022. And even Mason Rudolph has some wheels compared to Big Ben for the last few years. Ken Boyle says of Chris Oladokun, I was sad to see him get cut without seeing him in preseason at all. Yeah, I mean he was really up against it. You know, if you think Mason Rudolph's up against it in terms of of um, not having a chance to start, I mean Oladokun had no had virtually little chance of of even winning a roster spot. Coming in as, as a seventh round pick, uh, the same spring that they signed Mr. Trubisky and they drafted Kenny Pickett in the first round, so. Yeah, Chris Oladokun, it was it was really, I mean, he really had no chance. But hopefully he catches on maybe on the practice, practice, practice squad. I can't talk. Or maybe he catches on it with another team uh and and has a nice little career for himself. You never know. Mark Andrew says, let Pickett develop. No need to rush him. Yeah, although like I said, I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world if he if he if he came in and and started at some point during the regular season. That's not the end of the world. Um, but uh, you know, I think you know the, the best way, the best uh, way to 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 learn in the NFL is, I think, by doing, by being out there, by getting reps. But if you have somebody on your roster in, in a Mitch Trubisky that you're comf- comfortable with as a, as a solid veteran quarterback, then you're right. There's no need to rush picket, at least not. Don't, don't throw them out there right away. Let's see what you have as a in a team um, to start week one. How's your line perform? It, can can it every get its act together? What's your offense look like? Um, then maybe you can make decisions on whether or not you want, you want to throw a picket in there. In 2022. This one from from uh, Brad Jewett. He says, "If Kenny replaces Mitch at some point, that means we're not doing good. If Mitch is a starter, I hope he's under. He, I hope he's the starter for the whole year." Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, but I think either way, no matter what happens this year with uh, Trubisky and the team, you have to get pe- pick it in there by year two. You know, I mean that's you invested a lot in him, and you have to see if he if he can be your your QB one for the next ten years. Gary Anderson, I forgot about. Shannon will will, will uh, scold me for this, but I forgot about Mark Robinson. Uh, he's a nice uh, young story, seventh round pick, or a nice uh, underdog story, I should say. Uh, Mark Robinson, the seventh round pick out of Ole Miss, he was a walk on at Georgia after. Being a, a a running back for for th- his first three years for two different schools, then he, he transferred from both of those. He walked on at old Miss last year and won a starting job and 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 uh, did well for himself. And who knows? Maybe maybe we've just touched the surface with him. I think he's got a he's got the roster made, but you know we've been shocked before when it comes to uh, linebackers on cut down day. this one from Steelers Pittsburgh a couple of preseason games and pickett as the savior give him a few years to see if he is i don't i'm not saying he's a savior Steelers Pittsburgh i'm saying it looks like he he might be pretty good savior and pretty good are two different things you know he's looked he's looked poised he's looked like he's he's uh comfortable uh in, in you know in an NFL stadium now granted he's not going up against uh, regular season defenses and 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 scheming and stuff like that but nobody's saying he's to say I don't think anybody's saying he's a savior but I think it's it's natural to be excited about him uh, even after just two games trust me it's a whole lot better than him looking like a deer in, in, in headlights which was the last thing you wanted to see from the uh, number one uh, draft pick This one from just me, who's signing off and have a great weekend, just me. and Enjoy the game on Sunday. Mason ain't going nowhere unless he does. Have a great weekend, folks. Go Steelers. Well, I personally, like I keep saying, I would not trade the guy. Why? Why trade him? Especially with this train wreck of an offense, right, offensive line right now. Why limit yourself a quarterback uh, when you could need every single one of these guys at some point in 2022? This one from Claude Bishop, Johnson, Claypool, Pickens, Austin, Boykin, Vaughn, and Gunner as uh, the punt and kick returner. Sims to the practice squad, where another team can steal him from, from Pittsburgh. He's talking about the receiving core, and that's going to be a tough uh, a tough cut down for, for Mike Tomlin and, and and company to make, because they they certainly have a lot of uh, talented receivers. Um and I think it's in the big big picture. I think it's it's a a testament to what we've been talking about, and 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 what so many experts and draft experts talk about every week, and that's or, or for the past few weeks, and that's how many good young receivers are coming into the league each and every year now. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. It'll be Interesting to see what happens there. And I'll leave you with this one before I call it a night. This is from DarkStorm1, and he says, I just want one of the quarterbacks to ball out and become a franchise guy, don't care who. That's a great attitude. If everybody had that attitude, there would be no debates online. So nobody's ever going to have that attitude. But, but ultimately, you're right. If they find a franchise guy out of this trio, whoever it may be, and, and that guy goes on to play 10 great years for them, that's really all that matters. All right, folks. This is me signing off. Uh, until uh, until Monday on the Hangover, I'll, 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 I hope you got. I can't talk tonight. I'm, I'm really discombobulated, but have a great weekend. Um, um, enjoy the game, and I will see you on Monday on the Hangover. And come and go.